right. Good morning, church. Y'all doing all right this morning? Y'all got to do a little bit better than that. Y'all doing all right this morning? All right, welcome to Connection Church. If you're a first-time guest, just want to say a special welcome to you. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, matter of fact, I think we got a few here this morning. Can we celebrate them? Just so thankful you're here with us. Uh, but my name is Blake. I get the privilege to be one of the pastors here and get to teach this morning. And some of you may be surprised to see me up here, and that's okay because I'm surprised to see you too. And I got that old call out of the bullpen again. Uh, Billy is feeling a little under the weather, and we, me and my family, we were at Wild Adventures yesterday, and around lunchtime I got that old call. And so has anybody ever rolled roller coasters and wrote a sermon at the same time? If we're up and down, that's why. Now you know why. I hope y'all slept good last night because we hadn't slept at all. I mean, got a couple hours, but, but man, I'm excited to be able to serve uh, in that way. And so, man, I just want to pray for us, and, and then we'll dive in. Let's pray real quick. God, we just love you and just thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you we have a high priest in Jesus, one who's attempted in every way as we were. God, yet without sin, and we're so glad of that. We're so glad that we don't have to fight on our own, but God, we have a Lord and Savior who loves us, who died for us, and wants a relationship with us. And I just pray you'd stir our hearts this morning uh, through your word. In Christ's name we pray, uh, amen. Uh, when I got saved, nobody told me it was going to feel like I was going backwards up an escalator. I didn't know I was still going to struggle. I thought life was going to be kind of easy. I thought the Christian life, if I was going to take steps towards God, that, man, life would be kind of go my way. No one told me I was still going to have to uh, face temptation. And I remember that was the most depressing thing in my life when I found out I still had to be tempted with sin and I had a real enemy who was against me. And, man, I didn't have to preach uh, what I'm preaching this morning. We could have pulled just an old message out and it could have been polished and we could have came in here and did that. But God wouldn't leave me alone. He said, I want you to preach on Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Because, listen to me, we have an enemy that wants to harm us. We have an enemy who wants to harm us. And listen, you're not that special, and he's, he's not in a battle with you. He's in a battle with God. But he can't win in a battle with God, so he, he goes after those whom God loves. And God loves you, and we have an enemy that wants to harm us. And some of us in here, we have experiences that have humbled us. And we struggle with sin, every one of us do. We struggle, I struggle, and we get up and we ask for forgiveness, and we step forward and fall. And then we ask for forgiveness, and we confess our sins, and get up and we step forward and fall. And we've been humble. We have experiences that humble us. We have an enemy that wants to harm us. But we have a great example that can help us. And his name is Jesus. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to see this great example. It should be on the screen. Here's what the word of God says. It says, then Jesus. Count three, say Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Woo, he was hungry. God was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. That old sneaky devil. Look at him right here. Then Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but out of every word that comes out the mouth of God. The devil came a second time and took him to a holy city. Had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And Satan said, if you're the son of God, well then throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they'll lift you up in their hands so they will not strike a foot against a stone. This joker's using scripture against God. Now he comes at him a third time. He don't give up. But because watch, Jesus answered him and said, it's written, do not put your Lord God to the test. But then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give to you, he said, if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels attended him. Now listen, there's three things you need to know about temptation. And I want you to know these things. There's three things you need to know about temptation. And the first is this. I want you to write this down. One, you need to know the enemy. This is the who. And the only way you can stand against somebody when they're trying to fight you is to know who they are. I'll never forget, I was in J.D. Dickerson. 
And I was, I was a young kid, and I, man, WCW, WWF was at its peak. And I was a Steam fan. Any Steam fans in the house? I see a couple of you. You know what I'm talking about. And I walked up on this guy. He had a Diamond Dallas Page t-shirt on. And I was like, bro, this is my playground. I was like, bro, bro, Steam will absolutely crush Diamond Dallas Page. And next thing I know, pop, pop. I don't know what happened. I just woke up off the ground. And I'll tell you what happened. I didn't know who I was messing with. And you need to know who you're messing with. And you're no enemy of saying, you can't, listen to me, you can't fight the devil. You don't stand a chance. And he's not really fighting you. He's got bigger fish to fry. But you need to know that we have an enemy. Now, some of you, we're getting kicked. We're getting the trash kicked out of us because we don't know who he is. And I'm willing to bet that Satan ain't what we normally think he is. He's not a red demon with a pitchfork. He's not what Hollywood portrays him to be. He's who the Bible says he is. And that's who he is. And so what do we know? Well, A, write this down. A, know who he is. Let me introduce you to your enemy. Listen to what the Bible says concerning Satan. Revelation 12, it says he's an accuser. The key word is accuser. And I told you all a couple weeks ago, this is the game he plays. He wants to accuse you and make you believe things that ain't true so he can, he can control your life from there. And he'll tell you things like, well, I just can't pray. Well, that's a bunch of bull crap. Because if you buy into the lie that you can't pray, now you ain't going to pray. But can you say, God, I can't pray. Teach me how to pray. That's a prayer. And everybody has the gift of prayer. Or you say things like, well, I'm not smart. I can't read the Bible. Well, if you believe that, you sure ain't going to read the Bible. But the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And the Holy Spirit lives in us as Christians. And I'm telling you, God has given you everything you need. But he's an accuser. He wants to tell you lies that ain't true, make you bind to the light, and then he'll, he'll control your life from there. He's an accuser. Listen, John 8 says he's the father of lies. Key word, he's a liar. Now listen, he'll bend the truth. He'll stretch the truth. He'll twist the truth. He'll tell half the truth. But he ain't never going to tell the truth in context anyway. And listen to me, it says in Genesis 3, he's a crafty serpent. He's crafty. We'll call him slick. He's slick. And most of us, we don't think Satan is attacking us when everything's going great in our lives. We think he's attacking us when everything's falling apart. But most of the time, Satan does his greatest work when you're asleep. When you're asleep, what I mean by asleep, I mean not on mission for God and everything's comfortable and everything, you think everything is fine in your life. He's crafty. He doesn't attack you the way you think that he would. Second Corinthians says he's a dark angel that masquerades as an angel of light. He wears a mask. He hides behind what's beautiful. You ever seen one of them bug zappers? That, that there's a light. And it's, it's attracting, and they fly to it, and then bam, right, it gets them. That's, that's what he, he got you, and you didn't see it coming. Everything looked good and great. That's what he does. Ezekiel 28, listen to what God's word says referring to Satan. This is, this is scripture. And it says, you were the seal of perfection. He's talking about Satan. You were perfect. You were full of wisdom. You were good on the pipes. You were musically talented. You were filled with wisdom and perfect in beauty. The devil drives a BMW. He's beautiful. He's musically talented. He's filled with wisdom. You need to know this about Satan. Satan's beautiful. Other than God, nothing's more beautiful than Satan. And that's what he does. He doesn't come at you with a flamethrower. He comes at you in beauty and majesty. He's powerful. Other than God, nothing's more powerful than Satan. And music is powerful. It controls the mind. It controls the feelings. You'd be, dan you know, you'd be dancing. I don't even know you're dancing. I mean, it, I mean that's something. Let it go. Let it go. I mean, I'm walking around the house singing stuff I don't even like. It's powerful. It moves you. And before you know it, listen, he ain't going to yell at you. He's going to whisper in your ear and tell you what you want to hear. And then you're, you're moving to his beat and his drum. He's beautiful. He's musically talented. He's powerful. And he's wise. Other than God, no one is more wiser than Satan. Nobody. 
I love playing checkers with Easton only because I really suck at checkers and I can beat him and I don't have to feel bad about it because he don't even know how to play. <laughs> and I know when to wait. And I know when to move. And I know when to jump. But he don't, he don't have the wisdom. He don't know. And you're not wiser than Satan. And listen to me. Satan, he knows when to move. He knows when to move, where to move, how to move. And when you're not paying attention, he'll jump you. Now listen, that's who he is. You need to know who he is. But B, listen to me, you need to know what he wants. What does he want? One word, destruction. 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Seek him whom he may devour. And the way he brings destruction is he tries to rob God from his worship. And he wants you to worship him, not God. And that's what he does. Look, he did it with Jesus. Look in verse 9. All this I'll give you if you'll bow down and worship me. Satan wants your worship. And he'll do anything to get it. He'll give you money. He'll give you power. He'll give you sex. He'll give you control. He'll give you a better life, and a lot of them ain't bad. It's just not taken out of God's design. But he'll give you whatever you want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. But his main trick in the Bible and his main trick in the Bible belt where we live and work and play and raise our kids is this. He wants you to try to find temporary satisfaction outside of Christ, and that's a lie. And that's what he wants to do in your life. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Listen to me. Y'all love me. I love y'all too. Listen, don't be throwing stones at me when we leave here today. Listen, he wants to, you to try to bite into the life temporary satisfaction. That's what he wants to do. He'll offer sin without consequences. But every sin has a consequence. And everything I do in the dark is brought to the light. And every sin has a hook in it. He'll offer worldly pleasures without expiration dates. But everything the world ever made comes with an expiration date. And ask Adam and Eve about expiration dates. But he wants you to bind to the lie that this is going to say, if I can just get here, if I can just get this, this job, this car, do this, man, marry this man, all this, then I'll be satisfied. That's a lie because you were created for another world. And you won't find true lasting satisfaction in a temporary one. Or he'll offer false control with no urgency. And you'll feel like you're in control. And he wants you to fall for the American dream. But the truth is you ain't in as much control as you like to think you are. And the truth is we're dying every day. Life itself is a terminal illness. We're living to die. We, there's sin in the world. And he wants you to hide behind that comfort and feel like you're in control. He wants you to worship him by worshiping yourself. That's what he wants to do. He's slick. He's sly. Now listen to me. The byproduct of this is, listen, one, you're going to be ineffective for the kingdom. Because you can't affect the kingdom if we're more worried. If I'm more worried, I'm going to use me. If I'm more worried about my kingdom on earth, I'm not going to affect God's kingdom up there on earth because I'm too worried about me. We'll be ineffective for the kingdom. What about this? We'll experience personal emptiness because this world will have you out here chasing many gods. And I've chased them my whole life. And ain't nothing that ever satisfied me. It's like, uh, it's like pots with cracks in it, a dripping water just leaking and dripping, nothing is satisfying, but God is a living well. And what about this eternal damnation, destruction? Listen to me, because that's what Satan wants for your life, not God, but that's what Satan wants for your life. He wants you to waste your life. You need to know who he is. You need to know what he wants. He wants your worship. And he wants destruction. And you need to see, know how he works. You need to know how he works. One word, temptation. Verse 3 says, the tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell me, tell these stones to become bread. He's a tempter. Now I want you to know the possibility of temptation. Any person, it doesn't matter who you are. If he tempted Jesus, he'll tempt anybody. And if you say, well, man, Jesus would never tempt me, I'm you're, you're, you're inviting him to tempt you. 
It's any person. It doesn't matter who you are. Not just that, but listen, it can be any period. It doesn't matter how you are. In chapter 3, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. The father said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. The spirit hovered over him like a dove. And he went from the dove to the devil. One of the greatest spiritual moments in his life. And now there's temptation. It don't matter who you are, any person. It don't matter what season of life you're in, any period. You can be on fire for Jesus. You can be reading your Bible every day. You can be the greatest Christian you think you can possibly be. The greatest person you think you can possibly be. But it don't matter who you are, any person. It doesn't matter any period, how you are. It doesn't matter any place where you are. He tempted Adam in the garden. He tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Now Satan don't care if you're in the garden. He don't care if you're in the wilderness. Now listen to me. He'll, he'll tempt you at your house. He'll tempt you at the workhouse. He'll tempt you at the schoolhouse, at the gym house, at the church house, his house, her house, their house, my house. Everybody had a house house. He'll tempt you anywhere, any person. It don't matter who you are. Any period, it don't matter how you are. And listen to me, any place, it doesn't matter where you are. And you need to know, you need to know his plan of temptation. Watch this. Jesus was hungry. You see, Satan will attack in your weakest moments. He'll attack in your weak moments. Notice how he attacks with Jesus. He brought doubt. This is called questioning. Questioning. He attacked Jesus' identity as the image of God. He attacked his identity. The Father said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And then the devil said, if... You're the son, then do this. He's coming at his identity as the image of God. Because who you are controls what you do. And if he can get your identity, he'll get you out of acting out of line. And we have identity problems. He'll attack who you are. He wants to attack your identity, but the truest thing about you ain't what he says about you. The truest thing about you is what God says about you. It ain't how you feel or how you think. It's what God says. He attacked his faith in the character of God. Listen to this. He wanted him to question God's goodness. Does God really love you? Oh, well, why, is, why is this happening? Oh, 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 well, God's good? Well, where was your God at when this happened? Well, what about all this chaos in the world right now? Where's God at if God's good? And that's what he does. He's slick. He's sly. He wants you to question God. God, is God going to come through when you need him the most? And if Satan can get you to doubt that, that God is not for you, and that God's plan is not best for you, he'll control your life. And you think you're running your life, but the devil is. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Listen to He tacked the truth of the word of God. He tacked his identity and the image of God. And not just that, listen to me. He attacked his faith in the character of God, but he attacked the truth of the word of God. He took truth out of context. Satan used scripture. And Satan's used religion for a long time. He's used religion for a long time. He'll use anything. Listen to me. He'll twist it, contradict it, belittle it. And what he wants is he don't want you to believe it or he don't want you to be in it. He don't want you to be in your Bibles. Let Blake read the Bible. Let Billy read the Bible. Let connect group leaders read the Bible. Let other people read the Bible. But he don't want you to read the Bible. And he don't want you to hold on to truth. I'm telling you, listen to me, he brings doubt. Not just doubt, but he brings division. That's called isolation. He waits till Jesus gets alone. You got the Father? It's my Son who I'm well pleased. You got the Son? You got the Spirit. Now that's a trinity. And anything God unifies, Satan wants to disunify. Because he can't stand God. And he wants to disunify you. He wants to get in the church. He wants to disunify Christians in small groups. Disunify Christians on Sunday mornings. He wants to disunify. That's why we can't get along. He wants to bring disunity. He wants to harm your family. He wants to bring disunity in your friends. Because if he can get you isolated, that's the devil's playground. 
He doesn't want you in community. He doesn't want you around other Christians. He doesn't want you around believers. He wants to wreak havoc. He brings division. That's called isolation. He brings distraction. That's called redirection. And he wants to distract you from what's important in your life. He wants to distract you from living life on purpose for a purpose. Y'all thought Satan was coming after you with a spike baseball bat. He's using Netflix and vacations. And there's nothing wrong with neither. But that's what he uses. He's sly and slick. If he can get you to not be on mission for God, to not read your Bible, to not make a difference for Jesus, to not love your neighbor as yourself, if he can do anything, that's what he's going to do. He'll distract you. And listen to me, he brings deception, that's called manipulation. He's a good salesman. He's a great fisherman. He's got great bait, but there's a hidden hook, and he wants to hook your life. Now listen to me, you need to know who he is. You need to know what he wants. And you need to know how he works. Now notice where he attacks. Watch this. Know the points of temptation. Hebrews 4.15 says, we have a high priest named Jesus. Who's not unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have a high priest who's been tempted in every way. Every way. At every point. Well, there's really only three points. There's really only three, we'll call them areas. Three ways he wants to tempt you. That's why I love peewee football. You, anybody can be a peewee football coach if you can just get them to line up. You can, be a, you can do it because you only got two plays. You got a sweep to the left. You got a sweep to the right. But ain't no Peyton Manning about to step back and drop a Hail Mary because it's peewee football. You got a play to the left and a play to the right. Satan's got three plays. That's all he's got. But he's good at running them. He knows what buttons to mash and when to mash them. He is good at running these plays. Play number one, the lust of the flesh, that's what feels good. That's called doing. It's temptations of doing. Lust of the flesh, that's passions. And he'll play into your passions. And it's temptations of doing something. Whether it's, uh, whether it's sexual sin of God's design, whether it's uh, drugs or alcohol abuse outside of God's design, well, no matter what it is, I hate just saying random sins, but all sins outside of God's design, it's doing, it's gossiping, whatever it is, doing, that's lust of the flesh. That's got to do with your passions. The play number two is lust of the eyes. Now, lust of the, lust of the flesh, that's what feels good. Now, lust of the eyes, that's what looks good. Now, lust of the flesh, that's doing. Lust of the eyes, that is wanting. Lust of the flesh, that's, listen, that's passions. But lust of the eyes, that's possessions. And it's what looks good. And he'll keep you wanting and looking and wanting and never being satisfied with what you got. And never being thankful for what you got. And that's why we have so much anxiety and FOMO and fear of missing out. And Instagram makes us feel like crap. And all these other things because we want what we don't have and we're not satisfied with what we do have. Lust of the flesh, what feels good. Lust of the eyes, what looks good. He took, uh, took him up and said, I'll give you all of this. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? Now watch this. Number three, the pride of life. That's look at me. Now lust of the flesh, that's, that's doing. Now lust of the eyes, that's wanting. Now the pride of the life, that's being. It's being. Lust of the flesh, that's passions. Lust of the eyes, that's possessions. The pride of life, that's the person. And he wants you to make life about you. And not Philippians 2, I, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. But he wants you to make life about you. Because when you make life about you, that's when you'll have marriage problems. When you make life about you, that's when you'll have friendship problems. When you make life about you, that's when you're not going to reach people for the kingdom of God. But that's what he wants to do, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Now, lust of the flesh, verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, there ain't nothing wrong with bread. But he wanted Jesus to put a fleshly want above God's will. And when good things become God things, that's when they become bad things. 
That's when they become bad things. They're not bad, they're good. But when they become God, they're bad. And that's the lust of the flesh. And then lust of the eyes, he said in verse 8, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him. He said, you see this? Do you see this? Like Adam and Eve in the garden, do you see? He showed her the fruit, all the kingdom in the world of their splendor. He said, I'll give this all to you if you bow down and worship me. Now Adam, that joker gave it all to Satan. Adam had it all. He had it all. Can you imagine being in the garden? He had it all. And he handed it over to Satan. And now this dirty joker, Satan, is going to try to offer it back to God like Jesus don't own the world. He owns it all. But listen, listen, he's offering him, that is the pride, listen, the lust of the eyes. Now listen to me, possessions ain't wrong until you give your worship to them. That's it. Nothing wrong with having until you take your worship from God and say, this is what's going to satisfy me. This is what I want. This is what I give my time to, my energy. Listen, what, what gets your most attention? What consumes the most of your time? What consumes the most of your money? What consumes the most of your talents? What consumes the most of your affections? That's what you're worshiping. And three, the pride of life. Here's what he told Jesus. Now listen here. If you're the son of God, if you are, throw yourself down. It's written, he'll command angels concerning you. And they'll lift you up in their hands. And you won't strike your foot against the stone. Listen, what's he, he's trying to get Jesus to flex. Hey, just flex a little bit. If you're the son of God, flex a little bit. Let me sit, show me a little something. Angels will come down and lift you up. Just flex. Like, beat your chest a little bit. That's what he's trying to do. He wants Jesus to make life about Jesus. And life is about Jesus. But he's a great example of how we shouldn't make life about ourselves. And here is my question. If you were Satan, how would you tempt yourself right now? If you were Satan, how would you tempt yourself right now? Well, listen, would it be the lust of the flesh, what feels good? Because some of us are going to get tempted later on today and tempted tomorrow. Some of us will be tempted right now. But listen, is it the lust of the flesh, what feels good? Is it the lust of the eyes, what looks good? Or is it the pride of life, listen, what, what you think is best for your life? Now, one, you need to know the enemy. But not just that. Two, write this down. You need to know the scriptures. You need to know the scriptures. Look with me in verse 4. Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but out of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Verse 7, Jesus answered him, it is written, don't put Lord your God to the test. Uh, listen to me in verse 10. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, it is written. It is written, and Jesus is our great example. And if Jesus used scripture to fight the devil's temptation and lies, I don't know about you, but I know, man, I need scripture in my life. Where would we be at without the scriptures? Where would you be at? Would there be any truth in the world whatsoever? Think about what the scriptures tell us to do. They tell us to, A, listen, stand on the word of God. Verse 4 says, Jesus answered, Man shall live on bread alone, but every word will live and stand on the word of God. And the truest thing about the Bible is what the Bible says about itself. Because it's the breath of God. Listen to what the Bible says about itself. It's living and active. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, dividing soul, spirit, and joints. And it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It is a lot of tetra test. It's a lot of tetra test. Now, when you get saved, listen to me. You get a new home. Your home's in heaven. When you get saved, you get a new heart. When you get saved, you get new habits. But when you get saved, you got this same head, these same thoughts. That's why the Bible says, renew your mind in the Word of God. That's why it says, take every thought captive. Because sometimes your worst enemy is yourself. Sometimes the worst person that talks bad about you is yourself when you look in the mirror. 
Different things like that, or Satan puts lies into your mind and your heart. But listen to me. Listen, it's a lie detector test. It says it is, it is uh, living and active. It's a lamp unto our feet. Psalms 119, the word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a flashlight in a dark world. It'll tell you where to go. It'll tell you where not to go. And if you need anything in your life, this book is not, does not have a bottom. It don't have a bottom. There's no bottom to the barrel. It's living and active. And if you need a question, listen to me. Go to the Bible. If you need to make a decision in your life, go to the Bible. It is a lamp unto your feet. Now listen, it is a firm foundation. It says, any man who hears my words and does them is like a house built on a rock. It's a firm foundation in a world that's constantly changing. Constantly changing. It says, people are like grass. And the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now listen to me. You need to stand on the word of God. But B, the scriptures say you need to walk in the spirit of God. It's written. It is written. Jesus was led by the spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the same spirit that led him to it is the same spirit that led him through it. It's the same exact spirit. Now listen to me, he's a great example. And listen to me. He's, he, he, didn't, he, didn't tent, he didn't overcome Satan as God. He overcomes Satan as man with the Spirit. If he, if he tells me, what, what example is he going to be for me? If he says, Blake, I'm God, you need to be like me. I can't. But if he says, Blake, I come as man, you need to be like me and walk in the Spirit. I can and he's a great example for us to follow. And the same spirit lives in you. The same spirit that rose him from the grave lives in you. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10. It says, no temptations overtaking you except what's common to mankind. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But he'll give you a way out. He'll give you a way out. And I'm telling you the reason some of us can't overcome temptation or sin in our life is because either A, we don't have the Spirit of God in our life, or B, we're not walking in the Spirit. Because listen to me, you can walk, you have to walk one way or the other, but you can't go both directions at the same time. The Spirit not only saves us, it's what we live life out of. Watch this, I've been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2. He died, and I, the old man is dead. I'm crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the body, faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me, and he lives in me. And so I got to crucify the old self, and I got to put on the new self. And listen, I got to follow the Spirit of God, and I got to follow him. You can't, you can neither follow the Spirit of God. Or you can follow the flesh and do what you want to do. But you can't do both. I can't pray and, be, and struggle with pornography. I can't be following Jesus and struggling with, and praising him and worshiping, gossiping. I'm following one direction or the other direction. And listen to me, the same spirit that was with him lives in me. And if you're saved, he lives in you. And he'll give you the power to overcome temptation in your life. You need to stand on the word of God. You need to walk in the Spirit of God. And then see, you need to put on the armor of God. It is written, Ephesians 6, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord. In the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and put on the full armor of God. you got to put it on. You don't struggle against flesh and blood. But against rulers and principalities and powers of a dark world. Put on the armor of God. And then he says, stand your ground. You're not fighting Satan. You're standing. You got to put on the armor of God. You got to suit up and put on the armor of God. Now listen to what he says. Stand your ground. You got to stand up in obedience to God. And then he says, you got to pray in the spirit on all occasions. Here's the truth. God has given you everything you need to live the Christian life if you're saved. Every single thing you have to defeat temptation in your life, you have. Listen to me, you got to suit up and put on Christ. Suit up. What else do you need? Listen to me. Truth. 
Righteousness, peace with God, faith, salvation, and scripture. What else do we need? We got to suit up and put on the armor of God. And we got to stand up. And walk in obedience to God. And remember what we're called to. And we got to speak up and battle in prayer. And remember who it is to run to. Because that's how you flee temptation is by running to God. That's how you do it. You got to suit up. You got to stand up. You got to speak up. Now listen to me. You stand on the word of God. You walk in the spirit of God. You put on the armor of God. And D, you need to learn from the people of God. It is Written, you need to know the scriptures. Hebrews 12 says we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And we can learn from their faith, but we can also learn from their falls. You can learn from David. And you'll stay on the battlefield. Because before he slept with Bathsheba, he got off the mission field. You can learn from David and stay on the battlefield. You can learn from Samson and you won't flirt with sin. God told him, for you, not for all people, but for you, don't drink wine. But he was walking in the vineyards. Don't cut your hair. He gave the girl the scissors. I mean, he asked for it. He flirted with it. And we'll see how close we can get to temptation. Instead of seeing how far away we can get. But we can learn from the people in the Bible. you got to know your scriptures. You learn from David, you stay on the mission field. If you learn from Samson, you won't flirt with sin. If you learn from Peter, you're going to swallow your pride. Peter, Peter said, I ain't going to deny you. Just said, yeah, actually you are. Never me. Boom. Got him. Because pride goes before the destruction. And we can learn from David and Samson and Peter. And you learn from Adam and Eve. And you'll trust and obey. Because some of us, like me, I'll blame the devil for my own disobedience. And I'm like, man, and Satan's after me today. And I'm like, actually, bro, you've just been disobeying God. And you're not walking in the truth. That's why harm is coming your way. And sometimes I give the devil way too much credit than he deserves. But you'll learn from the people of God. Now listen to me. I want to ask you a question. E, where do you stand when it comes to spiritual warfare? Where do you stand? Because there's really only three categories that we could fit in. One is we're unaware. And this person doesn't have a clue they're in the battle. They're just walking around as if there's no war going around us because they're unaware. They have no clue. They don't even think about it. Now say, Blake, why is it every time I take one step forward to Christ, I get knocked back two steps? Why do, I, why do me and my wife argue the most when I'm trying to read the Bible with her? I've had some of my greatest fights for Brandy after preaching. And it's like, man, because when you try to walk in the will of God, and you try to do what, what God's want, that's when you'll have conflict in your life. And that's why some of us, were just unaware. And you need to be aware and wake up. Wake up. And two, man, some people, we're just unconcerned. And you know there's a battle. But we've grown complacent in it. And Satan's biggest, I'm coming out to the church here. Love y'all. Satan's biggest advocates is cultural Christians. And it breaks my heart when I see people that ain't interested in God because it's like what Gandhi said, I love your Jesus, but I don't love your Christians. Because your Christians are nothing like your Jesus. And Satan's biggest advocates that he uses is cultural Christianity. It's people who come to church, they they say they're believers, but they don't love the world. They don't love their neighbor like themselves. There's no obedience in their life. They don't love Jesus. They don't read the Bible at home with their family. And Satan's telling us, that's when he would tell his buddies, if I was him, hey, leave them alone. Don't even mess with them. Because they're helping me out and don't even know it. They don't even know it. We're just asleep. Now listen to me, if you're unaware, you need to be aware and wake up. If you're unconcerned, listen to me and you're complacent, you need to be alert and wise up. Satan don't want you making disciples. 
Satan don't want you fleeing temptation. Satan don't want you reading your Bible. He don't want you confessing sin and being honest. He don't want you taking next steps. He just wants you to go to church and play the Christian role. That's what he wants. And it's not worship to God, but it's not a lot to the world either. And then three, some of us, you're engaged. This is someone who's living on the mission for God. They're shaking and baking. I mean, they're getting things done for the kingdom. They're making disciples. They're worship nights in their homes. They're praying and fasting. Man, they are moving. They're loving their neighbor. They're witnessing to people. They're moving and shaking. And you're in a battle. And you need to know when you're on mission for Jesus to expect conflict. Don't go find it. You don't want to try to fight the devil. In Acts 19, there are some guys going around casting demons out. And one dude was like, hey, in the name of Jesus, and he was going to cast him out. And a demon in the God, demon-possessed guy, speaks and says, I know Jesus. I've heard of Paul, but who are you? And the Bible says, beat the pants off of him, and he ran away bloody. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight, but if you get the pants beat off you and run out bloody, you didn't win that one, I'm going to guess. You're no match for Satan. And you don't need to go looking for trouble. You don't, need to, you don't need to charge hell with a water pistol. You don't need to. You just need to live on mission for God. But when you do, listen, you need to expect conflict. So listen to me. Are you unaware? You need to wake up. Are you complacent? You need to wise up. Are you engaged? Remember, be alert and suit up. Now, you need to know your enemy. You need to know him. And B, you need to know your scriptures. And what they say. And what they can do in your life. But three, you need to know the Savior. You need to know the Savior. I want you to write this down. A, a beloved son. Matthew 3, 16. As soon Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a lightning on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son. Whom I am well pleased. The possibility of sonship. You say, Blake, he's talking about Jesus. But in 1 John, he says this. What great love the Father's lavished on us that we could become children of God. You've got to be saved. You can't, fight this. you can't fight a spiritual war on your own. The devil ain't messing with you if he's already got you. You got to be saved. You get to be a child of God. Listen, you don't stand a chance. You could find, you, have, you stand more of a chance finding Bigfoot riding a unicorn across a rainbow. You don't stand a chance. You got to be born again. Listen to me. That's why there's no power in some of our life. Some of us keep falling. And then we get back up and we fall. And we get back up and we fall. But listen to me. The reason there's no power in our life is because the Spirit of God is in us. And you can't fight a spiritual war without the Spirit of God in you. you got to be born again. you got to be a child of God and give your life to Jesus. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I want you to do a work in my life. I want to be a child of God. Or Holy Spirit, do a work in my life and stir me up. Now, A, a beloved son. Now, B, write this down, a better Adam. Romans 5, 19. For just as the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners... Through the obedience of Jesus, many are made righteousness. You got the possibility of sonship. You need to be a son or a daughter of the king. But you got the performance of a savior. He's the better Adam. And you've always been a recipient of another man's performance. Adam performed for you in the garden and failed. And where he failed in the garden, Jesus went in the wilderness. This is why climbing ladders won't get you to heaven. Because I've told you this all the time, I'll tell you again. The church is not a group of people. 
who act like they got it all together. The church is a group of people who's finally admitted that they don't. And I can't climb a ladder to heaven because that's exhausting. Because I'm looking at me and me and me and what I do and my performance. And I suck sometimes. And it's exhausting. That's the the meanest thing God could ever do. But instead he sent his son to die for you. And it's his performance. Adam failed. Jesus won. You got the possibility of sonship. You got the performance of a savior. And see, write this down. You got a defeated serpent. What's the devil going to do? Listen to me. Genesis 3.15. You say, I want to go to the New Testament so I can read about Jesus. You better get in Genesis and read about him. You better get in Genesis. 3.15 says, I'll put enemy between you and the woman. He's talking to Satan. E Adam and Eve and Satan. And God says, I'll put enemy between you and the woman. And her offspring one day is going to crush your head. He says, he's going to crush your head. Jesus is he. And that day in that wilderness, Satan met his maker. Satan met his match. And he was defeated. It said the devil left him. What's the devil going to do? Now listen to me. He can tempt you. He can taunt you. But if you're a child of God, he can't touch you. Unless God gives him permission. He can't touch you. You don't have to fear the devil now. You're a child of the king. You ain't got to fear death now. You're a child of the king. But what we should do is we should, in a good way, fear God now. Because how did he crush Satan? He crushed Satan by crushing his son. And whom did he crush his son for? For you and me. By his iniquities. Our iniquities, he's been pierced because of our iniquities. Bruised by our transgressions. It's it's us. He wants us. He so loved the world, he sent his son. And that should make me fear God and want to follow God and be with God. We see what Jesus has done for us, but what are we going to do with Jesus? Now listen to me. Listen to me. We're closing this thing out. I got two hours of sleep last night. He's a beloved son. Not just that, he's a better Adam. And we have a defeated serpent. But not just that, D, he's a better yes. He's a better yes. He's just better, period. Listen to me. The answer to a strong no is a better yes. And Jesus is better. He is better. You got the possibility of sonship, the performance of a Savior, and the power of satisfaction. Jesus didn't have an itch that the devil could scratch because Jesus was so satisfied with his personal relationship with the Father. And when you have a relationship with Jesus, it's the most satisfying thing in your life. He's a 10, he's a 10, he's a 10, and I don't want to swap a 10 for a 2. There's nothing Satan can offer me because what I have in Jesus is better. That's how I fight temptation in my life. That's how I find everything because he is better. Jesus knew who he was. He was the son of God. Jesus knew what he had. A relationship with the father God. And Jesus knew where he was going. And nothing, nothing, nothing is better than what you have in Jesus. Satan offered Jesus what he already had. He said, I'll give you the world. Jesus made the world. And listen, if you're a child of God... Say, you inherit the earth. You're royalty. You're kin to the Trinity. Royal blood in your veins. He can't offer you anything that you don't already have. Nothing. And there's joy in Jesus. Now listen to me. What ways are you being tempted? Is it doing? Lust of the flesh? Jesus is better. Is it being? The pride of life. Is it, listen to me, is it having lust of the eyes? Don't trade diamonds for dirt. Because what you have in Jesus is better. And is it, listen, listen, the pride of life. Listen to me, the devil is a liar. And here's what you need to know. You know who he is. 
need to know your scriptures. And you need to know the Savior. And you need to know what you have in Jesus. You need to know who you are in Jesus. And you need to know if you are in Jesus. Because the biggest temptation and the biggest deception that's over the church today is people think they're saved when they're not. And listen to me. I'm not God or the Holy Spirit. But I'm just telling you. When this, Jolie always said, Daddy, I thought God was big. I said, he is big. He said, he lives in our heart. I said, yeah. She said, well, won't he stick out? I said, he does. He does. He does stick out. And you don't got to guess. You can know. You can know. You can know. And here's what he says. I'm closing. Matthew 7, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of the Father. There's only one person who's done the will of the Father. Jesus. So it's going to be those who are in Jesus, not in Adam. Now watch this. He says, he says, many will say to me, Lord, listen to the selfishness. Lord, we did prophecy in your name. We. We drove out demons. We. We did miracles in your name. It's all about me and religion. And here's what he says. I'll tell them, I never knew you. I never knew you. And you need to know him. And he wants to know you. Period. I tell, I tell my kids at youth all the time. I say, do you believe in Jesus? They say, yeah. <laughs> I, say, I say, you want to know the only problem. You believe in Jesus the same way you believe in George Washington. I don't love George Washington. I'm sure he's a great guy, but I don't love him. He hasn't changed my life. He hasn't made me new. But that's different. Satan believes in Jesus and trembles. I'm not scaring you or trying to agitate you or, or rile you up. I love you very much. And I'm telling you, you just get in this thing. You ain't got to trust my word. You get in this Bible and you test it for yourself. You're going to come back saved. Because I don't have to take up for Jesus. He don't need me. I'm telling you, God loves you. And I've been praying for you. I didn't have to preach this. I could have preached something else. I could have preached an old sermon that's really polished. But I knew all night long that somebody was going to need to hear this. And I'm telling you, give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, we thank you for a great, great example in Jesus. God, he fought because we don't have to. And now we get to. We didn't stand a chance on our own. But you came. God, you fought for us. And God, you desire a relationship with us. You desire a relationship with us. And I'm just praying right now for the people in the room that's questioning their salvation or there's doubt in their heart. God, that you'd speak life into that person. God, you put your spirit in that person. And God, pray that they would come talk to somebody about it. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your love for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.